Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. So welcome to another episode of the She Inspires Me podcast. I am delighted to be chatting today to my very dear friend, Tash Callowert, who, um, even though she's a very dear friend, I did check the pronunciation of her surname because you know what? I'm one of those people that has a complicated surname and it's always good just to check. Now, thank you, Tash, for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I feel very honoured that you've invited me. So thank you. <laughs> Now, I'm going to get stuck in and read a little bit from your bio so we can put some context into some of the things that we're going to chat about today. So, um, your career spans over 20 years in accommodation, 15 of which where you've owned and operated your own business or within the Quest Apartment Hotel Group. Um, You currently own and operate two um, Quest uh, accommodation locations. So you've got Quest Wodonga and then you're in a part joint venture at Quest Orange. You've joined, um, you've also joined the Murray Regional Tourism Board in March of 2018 and have founded a new business called Boardroom HQ later in the same year. I'm not surprised, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Um, having always been in small business, your experience has um, specifically been in team building, leadership, strategic planning, um, and has been, I know those key things have been paramount to your success. As a business owner for over a decade, Tash understands the challenges that small businesses face when um, in every role is displayed on an org chart and all of those roles are often the responsibility of the small business owner. Tash moved from the inner city of Melbourne to Albury, Wodonga seven years ago and has been a strong advocate for growth in the Twin City with her focus on promoting Albury, Wodonga and works hard to maintain strong regional business networks. She is passionate about her community and always seeks opportunities to promote the region through her business. Now, we were laughing before because I said that we have technically only known each other just over three years. And I feel like I've known you for a lifetime. I've always, I always say that you're like the big sister that I think I've always had, but I didn't realise I had. Um, And one of the things that has always fascinated me about you, because we have a lot of similarities. I I giggled before we started recording that you said, I got really organised and I was like, here we go. Here we go. Um, But I think for me, the thing that really stands out about you and even when I just read that piece around you moving from the inner city to the country, it's the country, um, what is the resilience piece and the grit that it takes to go from such a, you know, from a what I would think is a really well-known, um, comfortable inner city life to being somewhere completely unknown and, and really changing things up. So can you tell me more about that move and, and what prompted that? for you or is, is there like a backstory before we even get to that? 
Yeah, sure. Thank you. And it's funny that you say about us only knowing each other for three years, because it really surprised me. I feel like it's been forever and you feel like the little sister I can lead astray, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so it, I, I had two Quest businesses in Melbourne and thoroughly loved where we lived and the environment um, that we um, were part of and the community. But I felt like there was something missing and we wanted more. We had two young children and I really needed to put um, them first and and. I guess how we would see ourselves raising our children in a city versus perhaps a regional location. There was an opportunity um, for um, a Quest location and in a regional area. So we started visiting it just to understand what the landscape looked like. Is it a place we could even see ourselves living? As far as running the business, I didn't feel like that would be something I would um, struggle with it was more could I see myself in this environment building relationships with people that um, you know noted that I wasn't a local it was really important for me to, to work out whether I could establish that connection uh, obviously I decided we could um, I think what I'd like to share with that is people have often said that I'm career focused and competitive. And I have never viewed myself as either of those two things. But what I will say is I'm very goal orientated. When I set my mind on something that I would like to achieve, then I go about achieving it. And I don't mean win at all costs. I mean, if there's something in my way, I'll work out how to get around it. I will be behaviorally flexible to reach the outcomes that I'm seeking. I won't adjust my goalposts, but I will adjust my action steps. And I think there's a significant difference between that and being competitive when it all costs. Um, some people may disagree, but that's certainly how I view it. So our move to a regional area, even with all of that said, was still challenging. Um, there was a lot of things that I didn't anticipate. First of all, I didn't anticipate the isolation. When you don't know anyone and you've got to make friendships again, you start to learn as an individual how you make friendships. You actually start to even question, do I know how to make a friendship? Like, do I, what, what do I say? What do I do? Why will they like me? Um, my eldest son at the time was starting school. And so we'd moved a month before he started school and that month was probably the most isolating because we didn't know anyone. But I kept having in my head that once school started, I'd meet all the new mums of the school and, and surely it would all just work out from there. Uh, it, it kind of did. I think it got to day three and I was walking out of the school gates and thought, mm, gosh, I haven't made any friends yet. And I was <laughs> day three calm down and I remember this beautiful friend of mine a good friend of mine now Lucy came tearing up behind me and she said are you the new mum from Melbourne and I I said yeah she said we have coffee on Mondays that sentence we have coffee on Mondays you know for someone that was new was everything and Lucy to this day is a very dear friend um I also when we moved we weren't yet ready to open Quest Wodonga. It was still being built. So it allowed me an opportunity to be a mum and make friendships as a mum before as a business person. Mm. And I think there's a significant thing there for me. Um, it was about showing people who I was before they'd meet me as a business person because often I felt like I was branded as 
career orientated and, and that was the, the outfit that I wore. Here comes Tash and she's part of a business. So I wanted people to know Tash as a person and I wanted to build some really nice friendships and relationships that weren't because I was now a business owner in the local area as well. Um, and I, I've made some really lovely, lovely friendships that year that remain my closest friends today. That is incredible. I think that there's a piece there that really stands out to me that that's the, the human first element. Um, so I guess as women, we wear so many hats and you've just mentioned so many of them just in that little piece that you've, where you've shared your story of that transition and, and there's the piece of mum um, and the piece of just being a woman that is realising that you're isolated, you've just moved somewhere where you don't have any friends and it's time to kind of go back to kids just do it so easily. They just walk mm -hmm. up to someone and go, do you want to play? And they go and play. And it's so mm -hmm. easy for them because um, they're just, I guess they haven't had the experiences of those rejection moments that we have as we get older and, and, and that vulnerability comes in. Um, but even all that, all the hats that we wear and all the roles that we play, um, but in the end that we are human first and we have to really dig into that why am I here? What do I want? And do I want this to be home? And it, I know it's home. I've visited you. Um, and I know um, I've met a few friends that you have in your local community and it's home for you. And I can say that that's because it was about being human first. And then all of the other things, Tash the businesswoman, Tash the mum, Tash the this and that, all came after that. So, um, wow, what a, um, so seven years, Still there, not moving back anytime soon by the sounds of it. Um, what One of the things that I know, I, it's funny when you describe Tash the businesswoman, I'm like, I know her. <laughs> I know her. I've seen her walk into rooms um, and I'm, I know who she is. Um, and one of the things that really resonates for me when I see Tash in businesswoman mode is the leadership aspect. So I know that you have an incredible team at Quest and now you have more than one team at Quest. Um, what do you find to be the biggest natural things that you do as a leader and, and what have you found to be the things that you've had to really work out and teach yourself? Sure. I think also when I moved here, one of the things that I observed about myself is how do I go about doing whatever it is I do, whether it's making a friend or being a leader? Um, there's something funny about feeling a little bit isolated and, and perhaps being in a new area or even the current climate that we're in and feeling that isolation. We start to do a lot of internal observation. And it made me think, what sort of a leader do I think I am? And, what so, and, and does that match what I want to be? And I kept coming back to the same things. For me, I wanted to be a leader that I'd want to be led by. I, I have always liked to be liked, but at the same time, I think I could honestly say that my team may not always like what I have to say, but if they reflect, they would always know that I've been fair and that I make business decisions, not people decisions. So if I do something that perhaps, um, you know, isn't 
isn't loved by everyone. It's not the most popular choice. It will be a decision made to serve the business because I see the business as a separate entity. I almost see myself as a custodian of my business at the moment. And at some point when I sell the business on, what I aim to do is hand over that business to somebody that doesn't rely on me for it to be running successfully because I'm not part of the sale. So when I make a decision um, or when I'm sharing in, or imparting something with my team, I try and be as clear as possible as to why I've made that decision so that people understand um, how, I've, how I've come to the decision. And naturally, there are times where you can't share all the information, but I work out what parts of information I can share that are going to be helpful or useful to the people that need, I need to share it with. I feel like um, my leadership style is led with authenticity and I also um, probably share a bit of vulnerability as well. Um, and that used to bother me actually, that I would share vulnerability because it's who I am. But what I've come to realise is by sharing some vulnerability, I'm actually seen as a stronger leader because I, I remain authentic and I genuinely tell people what's going on for me too. Mm. And that vulnerability piece is, is very much my, we've obviously, um, for no one, most, no one listening to this will know, or not many will know that we did a um, peer-to-peer mentoring program together and we were in the same group and that's how we know each other so well because we, we spent a lot of really in-depth time together and that vulnerability piece is probably, was probably one of my biggest learnings in that program where we knew well we we saw firsthand when you when you when you show yourself when you show up and you share your story taking away all the gloss it, it really shows people who you are and what you stand for um do you find that that style of leadership is does it adjust itself when or do you have to adjust it when you are a leader in your community versus being a leader in your close-knit business um, team and business sense. Like I would assume there's elements that are obviously consistent right across the board, but how do you adjust things when you've got a really significant role? Um, are you still working with the tourism board? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah. So you've so, got a, like a completely different role there. Yeah. How does that, um, how does that leadership aspect tie into to what you're doing it's, in the community? It's a really good question. And I often thought that I was different people in all these different spaces, but in actual fact, I'm not. At the core, I am who I am and I show up and I'm present. And I sometimes say what's not popular, so long as I'm confident that what I'm sharing is genuine, thought through, and I make it clear it's my opinion. It's not the opinion of others, but my own opinion. What I feel changes perhaps is in those different platforms you're talking about different things so perhaps when i'm um, as a director on the board of the murray regional tourism um, association i'm talking broadly about murray regional tourism and increasing visitation for an entire region that crosses state borders that's funded um, through LGAs and and so I'm somewhat removed because I don't give my personal I can share a personal experience but this isn't about my business this is for the greater good of the region when I'm talking in our community depending on what I'm doing um, I will make sure that I align my 
messages with the person that's invited me to talk. So it wasn't that long ago that I was invited to talk um, at a border food forum by an, an outstanding young business leader. I made sure that when I spoke that my key messages were aligned with what I believe in values, but aligned with what he was doing too. When I talk and I'm in my own business, it's specific to me and the vision that I have. But I'm very, um, very conscious of making sure that when I communicate to my team my vision, that I share the vision and allow them to interpret it and then get the outcome the way they see fit. So I don't then involve myself in the how. I, I share the vision and step away and provide support, guidance and help as they need it. But I step away because once they've interpreted it and understand what needs to be done, I don't want to micromanage that process then. I want them to be able to run with it and, and explore it as they need to, but reach the outcome with the guidance as they need it. So mm. I like depending on the platform you where you shift and change is the the dialogue your the context of your conversation and I and I think that's brilliant in the evolution of that outcome um, so I know that some as someone that's like all of us we've been in the role of being some of us haven't been in the role of being a leader but um, most of us have been in the role where we've been led and, and we've had to follow the guidance of someone else and I, I find that when you know what that vision is and you know what the, the goal is that we're all trying to achieve but you're given the opportunity to get to that in your own way um, and also with the opportunity to contribute to that outcome, um, that's when you really get buy-in as well. And that sounds like you do that right across the board. I, I feel like within, a, in, within my own individual team, um, what I would like to encourage is an entrepreneurial culture. And what I mean, I don't, I don't expect everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, but um, I, I recruit great people. When at that recruiting phase, I'm really, I'm profiling people. I'm profiling them against my own profile, not to find like for like, but to find diversity so that I can have the best outcomes for the team. And so if I decide at that recruitment stage that I've just found an amazing person that's going to contribute to the team, who am I to take away all those amazing attributes? I'm far better to help let them come out in the way that they need to. And I think what that does for me is makes me feel whole. It makes me feel like I can step away from my business and my business can operate with or without me. Whenever there is something that hasn't worked well in the business, the first person I look at is myself. What do I need to be doing differently? What do I need to be changing? What is it about me that I perhaps haven't looked at for a little while? That's my first point. And maybe I move from there, but my first point is what could I be doing differently? How do I serve my team? So your team or yourself and your team and your community, you guys have had a pretty rough, well, we've all had a pretty, like I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that 2020 has thrown us in the dryer or tumble dryer around a few times and then again. Um, but when we last saw each other face to face, that was a pretty tough day. And um, and I also, when, when kind of prepping for our our chat today I realized that you are the only person I know really well that has been directly affected and directly living in 
a bushfire affected area. So I, I know of people that had plan, had holiday plans that were cut short and people that were away for Christmas holidays and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but I didn't, I realised that I didn't, other than yourself, I don't know anyone that was living right there in it. Um, mm. And as I said, so do you want to share with everyone what happened the, the night we were at dinner and then maybe <laughs> go back a step and tell us sure. what was happening before that? Sure, and all the phone calls that you and I... <laughs> This is why we're, um, we're yeah, like, absolutely. put your phone away before we start recording. And I was like, oh, absolutely. God, put your phone away. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, when that happened, I remember distinctly feeling like I've been living in this regional area for a while. I've made great relationships. And although you're never a local unless you were born here, I started to feel like I was kind of getting as close as you could to being a local until bushfires Bushfires for me were a stark reminder that the real locals know what to do in these instances and I was still flying blind and I had fears, fears for my team, fears for what we would do. Um, whereas the locals, they roll their sleeves up, they get on with it, they understand. Um, so for us that night, you and I, we, we were having a beautiful dinner and I, I was in Melbourne. I'd taken a weekend away. In fact, I was doing a leadership course, I think um, the next day or something, and or, or I'd just done a leadership course. The team was prepped, everything was fine. We, there was no threat of fire in our immediate area. The closest fires were something like 100 kilometres away, which sounds like a lot, but it's also not a lot. But um, so when those calls started coming through saying that um, there's fires, um, and that close by, they can be seen from the hotel. Um, I kind of went into a automatic mode of what do I do now? Telling the team that I'm on my way wasn't going to be the answer because I was three hours away. So even if I was on my way, I wasn't going to be doing anything that was going to serve them. Then I received a phone call from a team member whose partner was stuck because they had to close off the road. So he was stuck on the side where the fires were and we couldn't get to him. That's when it started to really, I guess, feel like this is out of my control and I can't protect everyone that's in my circle. I have team members that are afraid um, because they're scared and I can't, I'm not there for them. I can't tell them anything comforting that's going to make this all right. So you and I had lots of discussions. Um, I contacted the team ongoing um, to, to keep in contact with what was going on, but the information wasn't coming through quick enough. We couldn't get information um, as to the, the circumstance and what the reality was. And then, as luck would have it, my business partner, who's in Orange, I rang her and she felt helpless because she was in Orange and is so familiar with this area that she felt helpless. And I said, you know what you can do for me? I need to know what's happening on the front line. And her dad is in the CFA. So <laughs> I was able to get information directly from the front line to say, um, what was happening and thankfully what was happening was the fire is now contained it's still a threat but it is now contained we're doing this that and the other so I was able to communicate to my team directly that although I'm not there this is the information I have I trust this source and it is going to be okay that added 
a very thick layer of um, comfort to my team and to myself um, because in an uncertain time, what we need is hope and we need to know that it is going to be okay. And to know that someone we trust was saying that to us, I didn't feel like it was just the newsreel. I felt like it was genuine information that I was receiving. Um, obviously, as soon as I was able to get back to the hotel, and oh, sorry, there were some hotels that had to evacuate. We ended up having people sleep in our conference room that night, which is anyone that needed somewhere to be, we took it. The um, Cube, which is our entertainment centre, which is 500 metres up the road, was an evacuation point. That became full with people as well. So it was very much a, anyone that needs shelter just open the doors just let them come in and and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow i hope uh, I that. no you did it was and and it's such a it's uh, i remember sitting uh, so I, I guess to clarify for everyone listening um tasha comes to melbourne a handful of us had decided to go for dinner um you had a really busy day you decided to put your phone in your bag you obviously have an incredible team, so you're like, they've got this. Um, and then I, we walked out, we are walking to the car, and my husband called me and was like, are you still with Tash? Because I wasn't trying to get in touch with it. And I was like, what is going on? And then we both checked our phones, and it was a, just panic stations around. Um, and I do remember even um, that feeling of helplessness is so over... And it was overwhelming for me. And, I, like, I'm so, I'm so many steps away from the situation... Um, but I remember not sleeping that night and I was just on the um, the website, like the update um, for the fire and whatever else. And I just kept refreshing my phone. Like every hour I'd kind of wake up in a panic and like check and then check if you'd messaged me and whatever else. And, and that I can't even imagine. Um, and it sounds like you and your team and even just the community around you kind of have in that moment and there were so many other moments because this was just leading up to this point and and whatever else and then COVID happened mm. um, and I know that that has had a significant effect on all of us um, yes but how do you how do you pull your team through crisis and trauma after crisis and trauma mm. and was there was there anything specific that you feel that you did? Like, we're not out of COVID. We know that. And we're still, yeah. we're seeing the kind of light at the end of the tunnel here in Australia. Um, but was the, was the method to supporting them the same? Or did you feel that it shifted again when you had to go through COVID? Or I think perhaps... I think perhaps a little, a little bit of both because the community, um, and you know, before bushfires, it was drought. So we went oh. bushfire COVID and, and, and certainly just to go back to the bushfires, we're not even the most affected areas. I mean, certainly areas near us that were the most affected areas, Corion comes to mind straight away, um, Popunka and Talangada, like we were, we were taking ev evacuees, people that were losing homes, people that really, and so we had just started a ramp up of donating accommodation for people that needed nights away from the devastation they just felt and things like that to help rebuild the bush. And there was all the, um, you know, buy from the bush and, and fill up your esky. And then COVID hit and all of a sudden we were finding ourselves, you know, in this downward spiral and taking more cancellations than you can even think about. Um, so I think it's a bit of both because 
um, when I would chat to my team and it, I was able to chat openly because this wasn't something that was occurring because of a poor um, operation decision or um, a, in, uh, a climate as in our local community or climate um, that hadn't worked. This was a pandemic. So this was something that everyone, when you spoke about, they could listen and have a little bit of an understanding. So there was a freedom to talk openly about what's going on. So I was very open with the team. I explained how many cancellations we took and what that meant for our occupancy and what that would mean for jobs. In the space of two weeks, we went from a team of 25 to a team of four. And the financial strain was, um, well, stressful to say the least, but the, the emotional stress and strain that I felt saying things like that to my team, I even feel myself getting upset now, sorry, um, that weighed so much heavier for me than the finance um, because these are my people. Yeah. Is these people, if I don't give them work, what happens to them? Mm. And so that it really affected me. But ironically, I didn't think it would. I actually thought that I'm, I'm the leader. It's time to stand up and lead your team. That's what I thought. Yeah. Every day I would, you know, have a briefing and each day it was almost like, you know, those reality shows where someone's fire gets turned out. And oh, got, yeah, like Survivor. We're going oh, to lose someone. It was awful. So we would have these meetings and we, much like we did in that peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, we'd start with the one word open and we would finish with the one word closed because that added a layer of comfort for me. But I would communicate to them and I was steely. You know, people would have looked at me and gone, she's amazing. And then... One of my housekeeping team in this briefing said, how are you doing? And I fell to pieces. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's never good when someone's like, how no, are you? How, how are you going? What, you know, how are you feeling about this? And then I had another staff member say to me, I just wanted to say thank you. You have communicated everything to us. And then she shared with me that her partner works in a small team and was notified via an email that he'd no longer have work. And she said, you're telling us face-to-face, -face, you're being crystal clear, it's not great news, but you're telling us to our face, not hiding behind this. And when I heard that story, that for me was, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling, and even if I have to talk through tears, these people deserve my honesty. These people deserve to understand what's happening, but also I need to be able to show them where I think we can go and how I think I'm going to get there and how I'll measure whether that's possible. I need to give people hope and I need hope. So I feel like if you're going to be a strong leader, it's one thing to say, I hear you, I feel you, and it's a terrible feeling and I will sit through this with you, I will hold space for you, but I also am optimistic about the future. And this is what I see for our future. And I just continued that message. Um, then when the whole JobKeeper thing came about, of the 25 team members that I had, 12 were eligible. So, well, we believed to be eligible. So I started the process of making sure I could get that all happening so I could start getting people back. And just to take it back to me saying I thought I could just handle it, it wasn't until 
I welcomed my team back that I realised I couldn't handle it because as soon as I had my people back and, and I had my team in their uniform in the tea room for a briefing, I felt whole again. And I was like, mm. this is why I do what I do. The yeah. Vehicle, yeah, the vehicle's accommodation and we offer a great experience to the guest that stays, but my people are what I'm passionate about. And I, I reflected on that and thought, every time I've had a been in a different hotel, I've spoken about how I have the best team. I'm like, I have the best team all the time and I've had heaps of I choose to surround myself with the best people in the world. That's why we're together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so having them back um, really was what got, got me going, I guess. And we worked hard and, you know, there was no one staying with us. We'd shut down half the hotel and we started deep cleaning. I remember going into a room one of the days and chatting to the housekeeping team and just saying good morning. And they were hand washing the filters of the, of the clothes dryers because they wanted to make them perfect. And they knew they're doing this deep clean and we've got time on our hands and we've got JobKeeper. So, and I, I just thought, you know what, this is why I love you because you're taking time to hand wash these things the guests are going to return to a hotel that is second to none that's what they'll return to because that's the experience you provide my guests and i'm forever grateful i have a wonderful team we've gone full circle um which is always brilliant i didn't even have to orchestrate that you did it for me <laughs> <laughs> we have though we've gone full circle because we've talked about you know, that piece of coming into a new community and remembering that it's human first, it's about good people, it's about building relationships, it's about what you give back, it's about having those amazing people around you and finding them, finding those gems and then just keeping them close because you want to you wanna feel what you, you know, that beauty of being around really good people but then what you can contribute to them as well. And just hearing you have that full circle over and over again in, in all the stories that you've shared today, I think that that's just such an essence of that piece around the leadership, the resilience, and, um, and just that human-to-human -human aspect, which was one of the key reasons why I was like, I've got to get Tash on the podcast <laughs> because I know, I know this stuff because I've, I've felt it firsthand as we're very close. Um, but I think that people especially anyone that's listening to this and they're thinking uh, like they, they they follow us because they're in business and that sort of stuff um we can kind of i think when you're a very you know you and i've got really high standards when it comes to the work people are exhausted by us at the best of times um and we've got really high standards we work really hard we we give our all we don't really take no for an answer all of that stuff that you mentioned before and when it comes down to it the reason why we do that is because we want the best for everyone like it's not just for us um so you there is something that was mentioned in your bio that we haven't touched on yet that I'd like to find out a little bit more about. You mentioned another business that you started in 2018. I don't know if that's something that you're still working on. And if it isn't, is there anything else? Like in amongst the gazillion things you've just talked about, um, what oh. is that? And then what, what else is on the cards at the moment? Sure. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, let me see. I've been in accommodation for so long that I started to get to a place where I thought I, I'm more than a one trick pony. <laughs> 
Um, which is strange because when you're in a small business, you're not a one-trick pony. Um, but I, I really felt like I had a lot of people contacting me um, not necessarily seeking advice, sometimes definitely yes, but sometimes just wanting to spend time with me and listen to an experience I'd had or ask me if I had done something before or even just sit with me and talk, um, I guess, just talk about some ideas. And it was happening quite frequently and I realised how much I enjoyed it and I realised that for me, um, one of my highest values is is giving back to people um, in, in whatever capacity that they need if I'm in a capacity to offer it. And so I, um, I was in Singapore um, for a Quest conference and had flown back into Melbourne and organised my team from Wodonga to come up to Melbourne so that we could attend the Business Chicks 9 to 5. And so I was on what no no sleep, and um, my but I wanted my team to experience what business chicks had to offer because I knew that they would love it as much as I did, and I just felt like um, this was something that they needed and something I wanted them to have. And so so we did this business chicks day, and then we obviously were hopping in the car to all head back to Wodonga, which is a three and a half hour drive. We, there was a couple of our, our cars, like full. We all stopped at, we call it the Northo, which is a pub in Wangaratta. So the night before, I was having dinner at the Shangri-La in Singapore. Now I'm having dinner at a pub in Wangaratta, or Wang, called the Northo, <laughs> and we find ourselves talking business. We've had a great day at Nine to Thrive. I've just come off a, a couple of day conference. We're all feeling pretty business pumped. And I'm with a dear friend of mine and I share an idea that I came up with sitting on a beach in Coolum a couple of years before. And she asked me why I hadn't established it as a business. And to be honest, my response was because everyone's doing this and seriously they are. And in a regional area, I could name a gazillion people, friends and people that I know of that are all offering some sort of advice or service. And after a while, I think you just get lost. It's a message that gets lost. And I think sometimes it's, it's a little bit unsolicited as well. Mm -hmm. um, she wouldn't listen to me <laughs> and <laughs> I really needed, I needed to um, do this. And so she started sending me some leads and the people that she started sending to me were people that were in startups or people that had suffered financial difficulty and were facing some um, pretty dire uh, outlooks. And she said, I just want you to share with them the experiences you've been in because I, I have also suffered some financial hardship and had to work my way through that. So I would just sit with these people and we would talk, I would share the experiences that I've personally had. And I started to learn that where they were getting the most benefit was because what I was sharing wasn't textbook. It wasn't something that you can learn about or you've heard about and now you're just relaying. I was telling them, this is what happened when I did this. And this was the outcome when I did that. So I was able to give them context. Now what they chose to do with that information was up, up to them. And sometimes, when I would share a message, the, 
the learning in that message that I thought they should be listening to sometimes wasn't the learning. You know, it's, it's their choice what part of the message they learn or listen to for that key learning. And it started to grow. And then I'd, I'd park it, you know. It, it was this half, um, half in, half outside hustle. And every time if someone would say to me, why are you half out? It's the imposter syndrome. It's because everyone's doing it. They're doing it better than me. Why would someone want to listen to me when you can get it from this person and they're so wonderful? It's, to be honest, I put it in my bio because it's time for me to get over myself and stop worrying about whether or not someone is better or whether or not that service is available and just do it and see where it takes it, where, where it goes, you know, and where, where I can take it. Because genuinely what I have loved most about that is sharing with people what's possible. Because I think sometimes when you can think abstract you can find solution where solution often isn't found. And sometimes when you're in the throes of financial hardship or a new business and you're trying to get it off the ground, you're so focused on that, it's really difficult to think in the abstract form. So mm -hmm. to with someone or have a coffee with someone and then just say, what about, or have you thought of, all it's doing is planting a seed and that seed might grow or it might not, or they may come back 12 months later and go, you know that seed? Can, mm. we, can we add some water to it now? Mm. Um, and so really that's where I see it heading. Um, I, and I, I hope that um, anyone that I've spent time with in relation to Boardroom HQ has benefited as much as um, they, they hoped to when they entered the conversation. Well, you heard it here first. Cash <laughs> is open for business. <laughs> See, I'm like the worst, well, me and the listeners are the worst people to share this. Oh, I had some imposter syndrome and now I'm trying to push myself out of it. <laughs> I'm going to be the first person to go, so how's that accountability going? <laughs> <laughs> but and no, I, I, I yeah, great I, way I to just make sure it gets done. That's right. The best, the best way to get over yourself sometimes is to voice it out aloud because mm. It's not real. It's that part of our brain that's trying to protect us from fear. And I think there was a part of me that went, I've been in the Quest brand for so long. I'm protected by a brand that I didn't create. I've purchased mm. that business. I, I see value in it. I understand it. When you do something on your own, there's vulnerability. What if people don't like me? I feel exposed. I almost feel naked, you know? <laughs> uh, I totally know. And... Um I think in the time that you and I have known each other, I've, I think I've tried like 10 million new things. I, I create <laughs> something like this is new. And even before we started recording, I was like, I'm just kind of making enough as I go along because that's what I do and that's totally cool. And I think that's really it. Like we're in a world now where you can just give it a crack. And, um, and so that's fantastic. Not only are you learning and exploring and stepping out of your own comfort zone, but you're giving people those tools. And, and once again, going back to that vulnerability piece, you're doing it and you're vulnerable and you're saying, yeah, this is my experience and these are the things that have worked for me and I'm vulnerable in even being in this space as your guide or your coach or whatever role that you're playing for them, um, which is fantastic. So my last question for you is the one that I am supposed to not forget. If anyone listened to the previous episode, they would know that sometimes I even forget to ask this question. <laughs> is who are you inspired by? Is there anyone front of mind right now or anyone um, in your circle that you're, that you're really looking at going, you're doing amazing things? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny uh, that you ask that because of recent times, the person that has stood out for me the most is my sister. She, um, she is doing so many wonderful things in such a creative space. And I feel so fortunate that she shares them with me because um, we don't live near each other. I don't get to see her all the time, but I see some of the work she does and um, she's just, she's, you know what, she's having a crack and she's getting really good results and she's really, really brilliant at her work. She loves photography. She um, does a lot of work with Art Red Hill and she is just an all-round top chick, to be honest. Um, her name's Tracy, actually, on Instagram. It's Peninsula Mama. And um, so please, if you want to check her work out, go and follow her. Um, other people that I think inspire me, if I was to collectively think about it, I'm always inspired by tomorrow's leaders. And I think I mentioned a little bit earlier about the Border Food Forum that I was in. There's a young guy, his name's Ben, um, that's local here, that... Um, Oh, look, I met him when I think he was 17 and he is a go-getter. You know, he's a person that has got a vision and he doesn't listen to no and he's trying new things and he puts himself out there. And I actually just feel honoured that he sometimes includes me as a stepping stone in his path or journey. Um, I love it when I'm talking to people that have an idea and they want to share their idea with me because I feel like for whatever reason our paths crossed and you feel like there's something I could share with you that's going to help. Um, when I think of Amy who I'm in business with in Quest Orange, you know, it's a privilege to work alongside her for as long as I can. Um, I'd like it to be forever and hopefully it is, but if it's not, well, I'm still a lucky person, hey. Um, so I think there's a number of people that inspire me I think I'm always looking for people that are interested in themselves. And I think that's probably a key thing I look at when I'm recruiting as well. If I'm recruiting someone onto my team that during my interview, I'm asking behavioral questions and I'm finding it difficult to see if they're interested in themselves and their own growth in whatever capacity, then I'm starting to feel like it's going to be hard for me to excite you in my business if you're not excited about your own life. Whereas when I can see that you're excited about your own life, even if it's not aligned with what my business does, I feel like um, there's something we can do together because there's a fire in your belly that's not going to go out. And I've seen that firsthand with um, some of the stories that I know have come out of the, the team that you've had and um, I've ha heard some of these stories. So, wow, what, a, um, what an amazing group of people to be in your circle and to have as people that inspire you as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. We'll make sure that we put your sister's um, Insta handle in our show notes and obviously thank all you. the details for questions as well um, so people can come and visit um, I'll be hounding you for contact details for your uh, boardroom HQ so people can hook up there and um, everything else but thank you so much for coming on and being a guest um, it's always such a pleasure to obviously have a friend that is also someone who I am inspired by and that I can share your story with our audience so thank you for coming on the podcast Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really, really feel honoured. Um, when, you, when you did invite me, um, 
I thought, wow, she's choosing me. You know, what is it I could say that she'd like to hear? But I, I truly do appreciate it. And you did say earlier, we've gotten to know each other quite well through some of the work we've done. And we really sit in that vulnerability piece. And um, I felt comfortable and confident in an interview with you. And I felt like... Um, if somebody, even just one person, was to hear this interview and be inspired by it or want to seek further contact details or learn more, then, you know, that was a success. That's exactly it. Well, thanks so much, Tash. And um, as I said, everything will be in the show notes. So you can check Tash Quest Boardroom HQ, all the things, out um, by heading over there. Thanks so much, guys. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.